Welcome to the ESPN Player Gridiron College Football Show. I'm Simon Clancy, along with Matt Sherry. Consider this episode 1.1, where we break down the Power 5 conferences, that's the SEC, the ACC, the Big 10, the Big 12, and the Pac-10. We'll assess the chances of the teams vying for the national championship, and we'll look at the Heisman Trophy race, a contest with no clear favourite at the moment, and we'll ask whether it's possible that a true freshman quarterback could take home the award. But let's, Matthew, start with the news that broke last night about Urban Meyer. Suspended for three games for the way that he handled the Zach Smith case. Uh, Meyer reported it to coaches, but on, on two occasions when asked by the press, most recently at the big at the uh, at the conference uh, media days, he denied any knowledge of it. And it's really Matt. It should be a sackable offence. And there's a number of kind of editorials in American press this morning, most notably from Christine Brennan in USA Today, saying that you know. Only in, uh, only really in college football could could a man like Urban Meyer retain his job, and you know it's a uh, it's a pretty dark state of affairs, really, isn't it? And I mean, let me read to you uh, the, the final paragraph of, of Brennan's uh, of Brennan's article, which is Meyer goes down in U.S. cultural history as a leader who didn't do all that he could to stop another another man from repeatedly beating his wife, then willfully lying about it. He can win dozens of football games from now but we know exactly who he is. I mean, if you're a parent of an Ohio State kid, is that really where you want to send your child to? A, you know, and you look back to Urban Meyer as well, in charge of that Florida Gator team that had Aaron Hernandez, notably Aaron Hernandez, but also, you know, the Pouncey boys, both of whom have been into trouble, a myriad of players under his wing at Florida who also, you know, you don't want to say that he looked the other way, but there are certainly question marks now about Urban Meyer moving forwards. Absolutely, and it's question marks that are just simply not going to go away now. I mean, Meyer was actually rebuilding his reputation at Ohio State on these kinds of issues because there were a litany of problems of Florida before he ended up leaving there. And and all we'd seen in recent times was pieces about how much he'd learned from that and everything else. I think the thing that stinks to me, I mean, for anybody who watched Evan Meyer's press conference last night, is, I mean, there's almost no remorse for the fact that this happened, but I mean, there's remorse for the fact that he's in a situation where he's being suspended. But I think Dan Wetzel from Yahoo wrote a great piece about how there was no remorse for the for the lady in question who we've seen the photos now online of of, of what she alleges is when she was abused by her, by her ex husband, and they, they just didn't seem. I, I was absolutely stunned that somebody in the position that Evan Meyer was in could come into that press conference yesterday and, and apologise to Buckeye Nation but not ap- apologise to to the lady who essentially turned a blind eye on it and I, I find it astonishing I mean this is a, a Ohio State programme that, that fired a coach in Jim Trestle for a lot less than this mm-hmm. um, lest we forget just, just before Evan Meyer got there so listen it's astonishing and, and it's, it kind of proves once again that Winning does seem to trump all in these cases. I mean, Evan Meyer is one of the best two to three college coaches that that exists currently, and I think if he wasn't, then he wouldn't still be in a job. Yeah, I mean, it's incredible that you know, and I watched the press conference as well, and he he sat there in front of a room full of reporters and TV cameras, you know, and this is the you know the biggest story in sport, uh, certainly in college football this season and or this year. And like you say, apologised more to Buckeye Nation than he ever did to Courtney Smith, and he he, he came across like a he came across like an adolescent who'd been caught sort of smoking yeah, behind absolutely. bike sheds rather than a man who had you know in his position had lied essentially about what he's about what had happened you know standing there at the Big Ten media day and lying in front of everybody that is that to me is astonishing and the fact that you know you have a 
one of Ohio State's core values in you know written in capital letters on the wall of the locker room is treat women with respect well you know I think there's a message that's been put out that you know that's not the case when it comes to Urban Meyer how can you possibly how can you possibly justify sending your child to to that university and how can you possibly justify his role now as uh, as head coach of one of the, the biggest teams in, in in college football I'm not sure that you can yeah and I mean you, you mentioned the lies the lies the lies continue as well I mean he he is essentially claimed to the investigators that his wife who told Courtney Smith that she would tell Evan about the allegations in, in text messages that we've all seen he, he didn't doesn't remember seeing those he doesn't remember his wife bringing that up to him. And even the investigators have stated that that seems implausible to them, but there's no way they can prove it. So it's not like he's gone into this investiga- investigation with contrition. And does anybody really believe for one moment that his wife never told him that? I mean, this is a guy who, by all accounts, has an extremely close relationship with his wife. She's very involved in the program. I think she, well, she's, I'm certain that she worked at Ohio State in some kind of nursing capacity. I mean, it's just staggering that that is the claim that rumbles on, and and I think the the adolescent at the bike shed is a, is a perfect description of it. It's a, it's it's it's. I mean, we're going to talk a lot today about the game next season and and a lot of previews, and and next week we'll talk about the games of the week and how exciting week one looks. This is an ugly stain to start the season on, and and sadly a bit of a reminder that for all we love college football, the game there are some things off the field that are quite unsavoury. Yeah, if you're if you're new to college football, this is not unique. You know, these yeah. unfortunately these situations are not unique. Protecting good to great players who can help you win titles happens all the time. If you are a a fag end on the roster, you are going to be cut uh, as quick as you can say, you know, Jim Tressel. But if you are a you know, if you can help win a national championship, if you can help win a conference championship, if you can help get to a big bowl game, then you are going to be given the benefit of the doubt a lot more than you would in most other walks of life. And look, Urban Meyer, 177 wins, 11 bowl victories, three national championships, six conference titles spread over three different leagues. You know, he built winners at Bowling Green and then at Utah and then rebuilt Florida and then Ohio State. So his legacy as a coach is there for all to see. Matt, what do you think his legacy will be? if and when he calls it a day how will he be remembered will he be remembered for all those victories or will he be remembered for the man who consistently did the wrong thing yeah I mean at this point you have to say the latter and and I mean things will change I have no doubt he'll coach for 10 years and and this story as big as it is right now will have died down a little bit but the problem for Erwin Meyer is the pattern of behaviour now it's 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 like when people talk about Bill Belichick with Spygate. I'm sure if imagine a situation where Bill Belichick then had another series of incidents that 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 hinder you, it, it then it starts to become a pattern of behaviour. And I mean, it's a stain that stays with him throughout his career now. And I'm sure he'll win a, a lot of games. But I mean, I think the other element of this is this is a guy who I'm sure if I asked him to remind me of a third down play in the national championship game would recall it immediately. But according to the to what we heard last night, that he sometimes takes some medication that means he forgets things. I mean, that's like the dog ate my homework, isn't it? <laughs> that that was one of the most amazing things that came out of that press conference. It's, I it's, can't remember because of my um because of the medicine I take. The, the medicine that, that in no way impacts me being one of the greatest college football coaches of all time. It's it allows me to rem- allows me to remember plays and formations and those sorts of things. But when it comes to actually, you know moral you know and we don't I'm not sit here and be the moral arbiter of 
uh, of everything in college football. But, you know, come on, somewhere that the rubber has to meet the road, right? Yeah, absolutely. What do you think it will mean for Ohio State this season and, and you know, how they react? Because uh, I suppose, unfortunately, if the Buckeyes win a national championship, a lot of this is forgotten, certainly by the hardcore of Buckeye Nation. Yeah, and I mean, they've got every chance of doing that. That's the ridiculous part still. I mean, if, if ever a coaching staff was equipped to, to deal with having an all-time great head coach unavailable for three weeks, and the three-week suspension was very specifically chosen because they essentially start the season with two classic college football cupcakes and then they play TCU in week three. So I think the administrators are attempting to get the public on board with the suspension by making sure he misses a, a genuinely losable significant game against TCU in week three. But the reality is that Ryan Day, the interim head coach, is a guy who literally turned down the Tennessee Titans offensive coordinator's job in the off-season to remain at Ohio State. Greg Schiano is a guy who should be running a college programme, the defensive coordinator, but only isn't because of some bizarre rumours that surrounded when he was at Penn State during the Jerry Sandusky affair which was another very unsavoury off-field college football scandal so if ever a coaching staff was equipped to deal with that I think it's this one they've got a great team I mean they've got Nick Bosa who could easily be the first overall pick at defensive end they're loaded as they are every year they've got Dwayne Haskins a former five-star recruit quarterback who's just beat out another five-star recruit for the job and won in Michigan last year so listen this is a loaded team and I think if any team's equipped to deal with not having Urban Meyer for the first three weeks, it's this one. I mean, talk to us then about Ryan Day. He's the interim coach who's taking over. What, what, what do you think he will, you know, and the interesting thing is as well about Meyer is that he's not going to be, and this knocks in today, is that he's not going to be, he's not banned from the facility, so he's able to be around, yeah. you know, uh, around practice for the week. He's a bit around film study, those sorts of things. But Ryan Day will be the man on game day that he'll be the face of Ohio State do you think anything will change do you think anything will happen do you think that not having Meyer there will be an issue or do you think they will be able to see them through a fairly you know easy start to their to their season yeah I mean I think you'll see them through the first two games the third game even with Meyer on the sidelines is a difficult game I mean TCU are one of the best one of the consistently best year to year teams in college football with a great head coach themselves in, in Gary Patterson so I mean if they lose that game I don't think it's necessarily because Urban Meyer isn't on the sidelines but I mean this is essentially a, an audition for a guy who was almost certainly going to be a head coach in college football after this season anyway so yeah I don't think it's going to be that great a drop off and it's I think it's a different scenario to Saban because I, I always think a strength of Urban Meyer's programme has been that he generally appoints great assistant coaches, which I mean, obviously Saban does as well. But I feel like Urban Meyer's always given assistant coaches a little bit more freedom than Nick Saban does. I think Nick Saban's assist- assistants generally adopt the Nick Saban system and he very much leads the programme. I've always had the feeling with, be it Tom Herman or some of these other guys who've worked under Meyer, that they have a lot of freedom. So I think they'll be just fine, to be honest. I mean, the interesting thing for me is what happens when Meyer comes back, how much credibility has he lost in his own in his own locker room and I think that I think that is the question that Bear's asking because I'm, I'm not sure that it'll affect them in any other way than that but I think when you have your own guys looking at you differently I think that can cause problems so maybe that would be the thing that might impact Ohio State the most I think the final point on this and it, and it speaks to credi- credibility is that you know you look back to his days in Gainesville at, at the University of Florida and you know what happened there in terms of two national championships in three seasons, only 15 losses in six seasons, dozens and dozens of uh, you know NFL draft picks. But they were 
counterbalanced by dozens and dozens of arrests of yeah. multiple reports of failed drugs tests and other, you know, misdeeds. That, and those, that those, those are just the ones that ended in arrests. Yeah, but, I mean, That's you look at the final tally, I think it was more than, thir- I think I looked last at 30 players, more than 30 arrested in his six seasons. 30 players arrested in six seasons. You know, and it's just—I mean, it's just the same as the NFL, isn't it? We see these stories. Yeah, but, but I think—I think in a way, it's more so. I think. Yeah, it's more yeah. So. I mean, I because think I think the passion of the fans is greater. Yeah, and I think it's more institutionalized within kind of police communities in towns where these universities exist. But similar to a scenario with Greg Hardy, who let's be honest, spent at least two years more in the NFL than he ever should have. I mean, if you're a good player, things tend to tend to just work themselves out like this, and it's a shame. But Let's talk about the games. Let's talk. About Let's talk the, about the, the games. games. Let, let, yeah. Let's start in the in the biggest and the best conference. The kind of the NFL. You know, you, you suspect that some of these teams wouldn't. You know, would give the Cleveland Browns a, a, a game. And let's start with the SEC, the Southeastern Conference, the, the Power Conference, as it were. Um, four of the last five national champions have, have come out of this conference. In fact, Alabama essentially. Uh, they, <laughs> are the, they are the defending the defending national champions. So what's interesting is you, you know you go into this season. And Alabama, you know, is the star shining quite as brightly as it uh, as it has done because they've lost a, a number of players to the NFL. You look at, you know, on the back end, you've got Ronnie Harrison and Anthony Everett and Minka Fitzpatrick and, you know, uh, the linebacker that went in the first round to Tennessee, Evans. You've got Deron Payne. You've got all, kind of all those players just defensively. Then you look, you know, Bradley Bozeman at centre. And then, you know, you've got the, the, the tailback, Bo Scarborough. You've got the the, the uh, Calvin Ridley, obviously he went to to Atlanta. So there's a huge, you know, you're expecting, and and it happens every year, but you're expecting a lot of young players to step up. And of as we've, you know, as will be featured in in the magazine this month, the the quarterback question, which still hasn't yet been answered, whether or not Jalen Hurts or, or Tua Tungavailo will be the starter. But look back at last season, Georgia technically were the SEC's best team. They won the conference championship and Auburn were technically the SEC West's best team because they won the division and then lost to Georgia in the SEC championship game. And yet none of that mattered because ultimately Bama won the national title. So let's start with Alabama, Matt. Can they can they retain the national championship again or is this going to be a bridge too far given how strong Georgia are, especially with you know with Drake from a quarterback and the phenomenal freshman class and sophomore class if you look back to it, you know, to the previous year that they have coming through. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the key. I think Georgia, probably for the first time in three, well, longer than that, for several years, maybe since LSU were good under Les Miles, you can see a real viable competitor in their own conference who, frankly, might actually be a better team. But the thing with Alabama is, I, I mean, I think last year will help them so much because they had so many injuries last year. So a lot of these young guys that we're talking about have actually played a lot more than they would have in other years. Um, I think they'll be fine. I think it'll be a slightly different Alabama team, though. They've won on defense now for 10 years of Nick Saban's reign. I think we might see a bit more balance to that this year. I think their defense won't be as good. But I think their offense with Tua, who... I am ninety percent certain will win the starting yeah. starting quarterback job. Is gonna be lights out. I mean, they lost they've lost Calvin Ridley, but they've they've got Jerry Judy, who is essentially Calvin Ridley two point The kid who 
called the winning touchdown in the national championship game returns. I mean, they're running. They've got the the young lad is it Harris who came on in the second half of the yeah, championship Harris. game. Well, they, no, they've got Damien Harris, Harris and, and then they've and got Nigel Harris, Nigel Harris. Harris. The number one. Yeah, number one recruit from the West Coast. I mean, that kid, that kid last year. That kid was as impressive as anybody in the second half of that national championship game, and another five star kid. I mean, they're absolutely loaded again, but. These are all young guys, though, aren't they? I mean, you talk about Devonta Smith, the guy who caught the touchdown in the uh, in the national championship game, and Jerry Judy. And Judy has been a star in the making for for two seasons now. Henry Ruggs, who you know averaged almost twenty yards per catch last season. You got decent tight ends, Irv Smith, and and that backfield is loaded as well. If you throw in you know Brian Robinson and and uh, the Jacobs kid, Josh Jacobs as well. So you know, and that offensive line, Jonah Williams, Pierce Backer, Matt Womack, all good players. But new offensive coordinator. New defensive coordinator, question marks on defense. You know, Raekwon Davis isn't going to be, you know, you know, a lot depends on what, what Raekwon Davis can do, you know, essentially at defensive end because you're yeah. asking an awful lot. Tosh Lupoy is the new defensive coordinator, you know, graduated from the from, from linebacker coach and you've lost Fitzpatrick, as we said, you lost Harrison, you lost Rashawn Evans, Payne, Hand, you know, so on and so on and so I on. I think the coordinator question is the biggest one for me because how often can you keep losing these star coordinators and keep replacing them I mean let's not forget that the guys they've lost are Brian Dable who is now the offensive coordinator of the Bills and very experienced NFL coach and their defensive coordinator is now the head coach of Tennessee so I mean these are clearly very talented guys who they've lost I, I think that's as much of a question as the players I mean these guys are young players but they're also young players who essentially starred in the second half of a national championship win last year so I don't have any worry about the talent but I do think the coordinator coordinator situation bears watching but the big thing that bears watching is how talented Georgia are I mean they're absolutely yeah. loaded and I think for, for for those of you that follow the college game but with an eye on the NFL game I would say certainly defensively if you're looking at Alabama Mac Wilson who will take over from Rashawn Evans at middle linebacker it will be a, will be a guy to definitely keep an eye on Deontay Thompson as well as a safety with huge upside who can you know will step in and replace either Minka or, or, or Ronnie Harrison and then I think at cornerback, I, I suppose you're looking, you know, maybe three years down the line, but perhaps, you know, a guy who could potentially be a, you know, first round NFL corner if he trains on is Patrick Satan Jr., who was the superstar recruit defensively, the son of Patrick Satan, the former Miami Dolphins quarterback, uh, cornerback, sorry. Um, you know, these are the guys that, that are going to bear watching, but they will need to glue together very quickly, especially, as you say, with a Georgia team that certainly lost talent, but like I said, led by Jake Fromm and they got to feel slightly miffed the uh, the fact that they didn't quite get across the line last year because it was theirs for the taking and they threw up all over their shoes in the second half of that national title game, didn't they? Yeah, they did. And I mean, that it's interesting to see how how the impact of that, if that has any bearing on the season, because that was a tough loss when you look back at it. I mean, they had that game in the bag, essentially, and then they never. And... The interesting question with Georgia is similar. We're going to get onto this with Clemson in a sec because they're returning a great quarterback in Jake from who I'm pretty sure was a five-star guy. But mm. they've also just recruited this kid, Justin Fields, who yeah. we've, we spoke briefly about Trevor Lawrence on episode zero of this podcast. But he's a kid who's going in at Clemson with a chance to unseat a, an experienced starter. Justin Fields has the same opportunity at Georgia. This these two kids are known around the state of Georgia as maybe the greatest two high school quarterbacks of all time and that includes Deshaun Watson who was in that area just a few years ago so that's going to be the big question with Georgia as well is 
who plays a quarterback because it sounds like they've both got every chance to win the job I, I assume from starts the year a quarterback but Fields is going to see the field as well and I think that's the big uh, two big early season storylines to watch for Georgia is there any hangover from the manner in which they lost that national championship game I tend to think because of their coaching they won't be but then this quarterback conundrum is going to be fascinating to watch I think the flip side now for Georgia is that it, you know, it knows what it can do to get there it knows what it needs to do it knows that it can be a national championship good side in terms of that. You know, you look at Jake Fromm, I, I think Fromm will start. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think Fromm is a future first-round NFL pick at quarterback. But you look around the field, you know, you look around that team, despite losing Nick Chubb and uh, Sony Michel, two running backs who we really like, you know, that, that, that position is absolutely loaded. The receiving core is as good as they've had in years, uh, you know, uh, uh, that position. Offensive line is solid. The linebackers are, you know, absolutely loaded against speed, athletic. The front three are going to be, you know, rocks that I don't think you're going to be able to to, to to run on them. And then in DeAndre Baker, you've probably got, you know, one of the top two NFL-ready cornerbacks, you know, uh, who will sit on an island along with Greedy Williams of LSU. These are, you know, Baker is a lockdown first-round NFL corner next year yeah. um, in what should be one of the best secondaries in, in all of college football, not in just the SEC. So, you know, losing that national title will hurt, but this team is set up to win multiple national championships. And, you know, if I'm going to go out on a limb very early in episode 1.1, I think the Georgia Bulldogs are primed for a, a, a run that is similar to the Alabama run that we've we've seen over the last few years because they are loaded in all the right positions and they've they just signed the, the number one recruiting class absolutely and they are winning the recruiting battle for the second year running and you look at the 2019 recruiting class and they are already well ahead on, in terms of the early commitments of those top 15 top 20 guys so for me you know this is a this is a team that's very very much you know on the up even though it will be you know even though it's a returning national championship um competitor but you, you know you look at DeAndre Swift you look at Elijah Holyfield in the backfield these are guys that will step up and become national national names and make people very quickly forget about Chubb and Michelle you know yeah. in terms of what they what they were able to do I would uh, guess I, I would guess outside of those two we'll round up the rest but I would like to just give a little bit more time to Auburn as well yeah. in, in the SEC I mean this is a team that beat Georgia last year they then beat Alabama and then lost very heavily to Auburn the following week in the national in the SEC championship game the issue with that is that it was such a brutal stretch for them to, yeah. to have essentially beaten Georgia and Alabama in, in quick succession of each other and then to have to play Georgia again and I'm pretty sure it was in Atlanta. It was in it Atlanta. Was, yeah. So it was essentially a road game against a team that already beat quite handily having beaten Alabama. They were really unlucky last year. This is where the playoff system's a little bit frustrating because... Even if we had an eight-team playoff, there's no way you could have argued against Auburn not being in it last year. And they proved they could beat the two teams who were there at the at the top table at the end of the season. So they returned Jared Stidham, who actually I didn't think was amazing last year. I think he has room to grow on last season. And they, they could be a, a legit contender as well. I think there's three real national championship contenders in this SEC. I think, and I I think, think the issue for Auburn, I think the issue for Auburn, I think the issue for Auburn, Matt, is the the... They start against Washington, you know, yeah. the favourite to win the Pac, the Pac-12. You know, an absolutely loaded team on the on the West Coast. Uh, you know, and similar to Chris, what they did last year. I think they played Clemson early in the season last year. They did, lost, which they ultimately did. Now, now, well. now, the good thing the good thing about that is they can afford to lose that and still win the national championship. But it, it does make things very hard because their final two games, 
are on the road at Alabama and on the road at Georgia. Yeah. You know, so, or, or sorry, two out of the three last games. So the 10th of, uh, 10th of November, they're on the road at Georgia. They play, they play Liberty at home and then they come back and play Alabama um, at Bryant-Denny. So, you know, if they do lose that first game, you're asking something enormous to go on the road two out of three weeks and beat the two two of the three best teams in the country. So it'll be very, very difficult, I think. I, you know, I like the team. I like Stidham. I think that defence will be outstanding. I wonder about the offensive line. I'm not sure it's good enough, potentially. Um, and I think they probably could be on the outside looking in because I think there are other teams that potentially could you know, could make you. Let's just, let's just talk about some of the other little things that are in the SEC that are of interest. You know, LSU, obviously, very interesting. Florida, always very interesting. But talk to me a bit about Texas A&M because obviously Jimbo Fisher leaving Florida State, that, that's a big storyline with, with Fisher going to, uh, going to Texas A&M. A huge storyline. I, mean, I think he's the most, the highest paid coach in college football unless Saban's been bumped up to beat him again. But certainly that was one of the biggest deals in, in history. National championship winning coach just a, a couple of years ago at Florida State. He's had nothing really but wall-to-wall success at Florida State and... Listen, Texas A&M have a lot of money. They've they've been at this now for the last few years, trying to to kind of break into that national championship picture. They had Johnny Manziel for a great couple of years, but Kevin Sumlin, who's now in Arizona, just couldn't kind of take that next step. And they believe Jimbo can do it. And listen, the credentials are there. I think I think I think Jimbo's in for a little bit of a rude awakening. I think he's going to find that. I mean, certainly before Clemson's emergence, Florida State had a pretty easy ride in that ACC. I think he's going to find the SEC a lot more difficult. It's it's loaded as we've touched upon so far. But fascinating to play, get another top tier coach in in that division with with Alabama. And of course, they play Clemson and Alabama in September. So unless you know they they have two other fairly cupcake games, but you know unless they're uh, they're pull, pulling off a massive shock, they're going to be. Two and two by the you know by the start of October, which yeah, is, and I think yeah, one's house money for him. I mean, everybody knows that the key with Jimbo, great with quarterbacks, is when he gets that guy a quarterback, which he'll have a guy this year, but it won't be his guy. I think year two, year three, year four, he could really put the put the cat amongst the pigeons in that in that division. But certainly going to be fascinating to watch how quickly he can start to turn it around this year. Picking, I'm going to get you to pick a, a sort of a wild card team. I'm going to go with Mississippi State, a team that we saw in, in person live last year, almost beating Alabama. If Nick, if Nick Fitzgerald, who garnered some Heisman chat last year, if he's back from that broken ankle that he suffered in the uh, in the bowl game against uh, against Ole Miss, if he's back with Arius Williams in the backfield and that and that defense, especially with Bob Shoup now coming in as coordinator, I think they've got a chance, you know, to be an interesting team in the mix who could upset one or two apple carts I think potentially you know like I said if Fitzgerald who has been limited through the summer but if he's back and healthy and 100% this is a team that's got a chance to, to do some damage in that conference no doubt about it. I mean we saw him last year very nearly beat Alabama I mean he's a very very good quarterback I actually think he's a quarterback who by the end of the season could have some NFL buzz as well a lot more so than people are Definitely. suggesting at the moment so Definitely. yeah I, I agree with that I also think Florida could turn around quickly and Fitzgerald plays into the reason I believe this I mean we're a huge fan of Dan Mullen I think we chatted about it last year he's gone from Mississippi State to Florida this year he's already managed to recruit Emery Jones who was a five star quarterback who I think he's going to play this year but mm. it, Florida always has talent even even when Florida gets rid of a coach you know that there's talent there I think Dan Mullen is a perfect head coach for Florida I think he's done, going to do a great job and I wouldn't be surprised if he starts to turn things around quicker than we expect I mean this is a guy who Fitzgerald 
Dak Prescott, you know, he's got a great history with quarterbacks and he's a he's he's very much the quarterback whisperer. So they could be another team who who turn things around quickly. I think Tennessee, for example, I think they're a little bit further away as the other power team who've now got Jeremy Pruitt in charge with a new coach. But I think Mississippi State and Florida, the cupboard isn't bare there. Let's get to the ACC and obviously the the, the, the probably the one other team that can get in the mix of those SEC teams when it comes to winning the national championship. You know, we'll talk a bit about Washington, we'll talk a bit about Michigan State and Michigan and, and some of those other teams, Wisconsin, who've got, you know, good chances. But realistically, Clemson is the other sort of strong horse in in terms of the national championship, isn't it? Dabo Swinney had a run at the title last year, didn't quite get across the line. Obviously won it the year before with Deshaun Watson and in Tampa beating uh, beating Alabama with that last second touchdown. Where, where do you see Clemson this year? And uh, and obviously we're going to talk about him. Who's going to win the quarterback job? Will it be Kelly Bryant who performed really, really admirably last year and uh, has got that kind of, uh, will probably move positions I suspect if and when he gets to the NFL, very athletic, great, great ability to move, but can, can throw the ball down the field against Trevor Lawrence, the, the kid that we went to see last year from Cartersville, Georgia, the number one recruit in all of America, the six foot three kind of blonde haired rocket armed quarterback who sort of has seems to have quietly dominated the spring and into the summer and threw a couple of lasers in the, in the spring game to get everybody really excited. What, what do you think is going to happen with the, with the Tigers? I, mean, I think we're a bit biased, but I, I do think Lawrence will win the job eventually. I think Bryant will start week one as starter and I think Lawrence will play in week one because they've got a fairly easy game. Um, I think Clemson play A&M in week two, is that right? So they've they got, do, yeah. They've got a big game in week two. I wouldn't be surprised if Lawrence is the starter by week two, and certainly, if not the starter in by the second series. I mean, we're talking about a kid here who many coaches told us a few months ago, Simon, that he could walk into onto any campus in America and it would be very difficult for him not to be the, immediately the best player on the campus I mean this is how special this kid is and that's opposition coaches he's not being thrown around lightly he's an incredible talent I think Clemson ended the season as favourites to win the national championship this year they return a lot more quality than Alabama does their defensive line might actually be a top end NFL defensive line yeah I mean if you're looking at if you're looking at NFL players Austin Bryant Clellan Ferrell who would have been a first round pick last year decided to go back Dexter Lawrence Christian Wilkins I mean they are going to uh, cause a lot of sort of collective heartburn, I suppose, for for offensive lines and uh, and, and offensive coordinators around the country, aren't they? Next this season, because I mean they are a, a phenomenal and fearsome force. I mean, it, it could be one of the best defensive lines I've ever seen in college mm. football. I mean, it's in, it's insane, and they've just got a lot of. I mean, they're talented everywhere. Hunter Renfro, the senior, as a kid yeah. who was incredible in two national championship games, little slot receiver of the very much in the Wes Welker, Julian Edelman mould. He's going to be a quarterback's best friend, especially a young guy like Lawrence. I mean, I think Clemson, are the, to me, that if I was going to bet on a team right now to win it all, I would bet on Clemson. I mean, one of the things that's interesting, and I suppose much like we did with, with uh, Georgia in terms of you saying, will they be a hangover for the national championship? We flipped it. Do you think that there's, a, there's an issue for Dabo Swinney in terms of... Because, look, Trevor Lawrence and, uh, and Kelly Bryant might be two of the best quarterback top 10 quarterbacks in college football I mean I don't think that's beyond the realms of possibility top 15 and, and, and don't forget we're not we're not looking at we're not projecting to the NFL we are looking at college football quarterbacks yeah. the, the, there's a strong difference do you think that when Dabo chooses his guy and obviously he will choose one there will be a faction of the fan base and the kind of the pot stirring media and people like us and podcasts and, uh, and those sorts of things that sort of responds to every little mistake 
by the quarterback he chooses by sort of clamouring for the overqualified backup. And, you know, Dabo could run the risk of, you know, damned if he does, damned if he doesn't, regardless I, I, of who I think, I think if he chooses Bryant, that'll happen. I think Lawrence will get a, a longer leash simply because he is such a hot recruit and clearly so outrageously talented. I mean, again, it's biased, but based on everything we were told, if this kid doesn't end up being the first overall pick at some point, we'd be stunned. So I think if it's Bryant, the, the leash is short. And, and that's unfortunate for him because he had a great first season as starter last year, has done everything right, a great kid, but... I just think he's up against such a big talent. So I think it works both ways on that. I think for for Brian, the, the leash is short, but Lawrence, as a, as a true freshman, will get a, a lot more kind of leeway. And as you say, you know, Renfro, Justin Ross, T Higgins, you know, <laughs> these, these two young receivers it could be, you know, Higgins especially could be absolutely anything. Again, you're looking at, a, you know, a high first round NFL receiver if he, if he trains on. What, 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 what else are you looking at in the ACC? Because there's kind of a three, three tiers really, I suppose, in the ACC if you look at it. You've got, you know, you've got Clemson in tier one on their own. Tier two is, you know, Miami and the, the, their renaissance under Mark Richt and Florida State with Willie Taggart coming over from Oregon as the as the first year head coach. And then you kind of got everybody else, really. Do, do you see FSU and, and you know, behind, uh, you know, Cam Akers at running back and, and then Miami, that team that sort of gelled together with lots and lots now, lots of sort of first round potential players again and, and recruits sort of flooding back to the U. Do you think that they can push into the top six and almost maybe push into the playoff? Do you think that that's possible for Miami? I don't think, I think it's a bit too soon for Florida State, but Miami's got a shot, hasn't it? I mean, Miami's got a chance. It, it does. The only thing that worries me a little bit with Miami is that sometimes you can just tell a team has caught lightning in a bottle and they kind of came from nowhere last season won a lot of games with turnovers and things like that but then lost lost badly to a pretty poor pit team um, and then lost heavily against Clemson in the ACC championship game so I mean it's Malik Rozier isn't it if Rozier can bounce back you know, and be the quarterback that people yeah. thought he is. Then you know you chuck in Lorenzo Lingard, their five-star running back, and Travis Homer, and that defense with Jacon Johnson and Shaq Quarterman and those sorts of players. Then there's there's real talent there. But it, yeah, I th- but I think it does hinge massively on the quarterback. And what yeah. we saw last year was wasn't encouraging, but we've also seen guys make a, a huge jump over a, over an off season as well. So it's I think I think the the great thing with Miami is it may not be next year, but one of the absolute historical amazing programs and if anybody I think it's on ESPN Play who, are, who as we've mentioned are the sponsor of this but if anybody can watch The You the documentary that 30 for 30 did on it it's it's great to watch and, and that'll kind of build into you the excitement at seeing a good Miami team again because it was so great to see them back in the mix next year I'm not sure there will be this year but I think that, that Mark Richt has that program heading back in the right direction which is great to see and there's obviously questions for Florida State at quarterback isn't there with DeAndre Francois who came back from the season ending injury that he suffered in the game against Alabama you've got James Blackman who sort of stood in for him the sophomore and then this kind of highly touted redshirt freshman Bailey Hockman and right in the mix it's important isn't it for, for Willie Taggart that he settles on a quarterback and that they can get you know because they've got the you know in Cam Akers they've got arguably you know the best running back in college football, potentially the, the the true sophomore. There is a real need for one of those guys to step up and, and be the guy, isn't there? And it should be Francois because Francois has you know NFL ability, but 
you know, he struggled a little bit in the in the spring and the summer. So, you know, who do you think will win that job? I think Francois gets the job at the start largely because it's not easy for any quarterback to come back from the kind of injury that he had. And I mean, we see even in the, at the NFL level these injuries take time. So I think he has the inside track on the job, but. I'll be. It's interesting for Willie Taggart, first year head coach. I just wonder whether he maybe favours the younger guy simply because he's then essentially building his program from scratch with the young guy, and you can see maybe a, a two three year plan there mapping out with that guy. But I think Francois is the most talented guy in the room right now, and I think he'll start the season. Now I don't know what you think, Simon. It's obviously your team, so you. Yeah, I, I actually think Blackman might start. With- start the season I've just got a sense that that could be where where it's going to be I think the interesting thing for Florida State will be obviously the early game against Virginia Tech will kind of decide whether or not you know whether or not Clemson has a legitimate challenger I suppose in that Atlantic division and then that game on October 27th Clemson at Florida State coming to Tallahassee you know this will be a fairly big indicator of of where FSU is going to be, and also you know if Clemson can you know Clemson can put up 35, 40 points on FSU, then who knows where you know who who knows where that that um, that Clemson team is going to go. I just want to throw Georgia Tech into the mix, the rambling wreck who you know won a national championship many years ago with Ken Swilling at safety, the big hard hitting safety. They they obviously run the triple option, um, and they're kind of a bit of a wild card in that conference, a bit like Mississippi State that we talked about. They bring back two of the ACC's top running backs, Kevonte Benson and Taquan Marshall. Five and six last season, they were bowl eligible, but they were a much better team than that five and six record. They lost by one to Tennessee, they lost by one to Miami. Uh, I think they went down by three or four to Georgia, despite being up in the last sort of 90 seconds of the game. Um, and in fact, the last 90 seconds of all three games, thinking back certainly to the Miami game, they could be a factor, couldn't they? And if they're not a factor for winning the conference, they could certainly be uh, a factor in upsetting a few people's hopes of uh, of doing so. I think they always can be. I mean, for, for for listeners who are just kind of coming on this journey of getting into college football, you should absolutely watch Georgia Tech because it's Georgia Tech, Navy, teams like that who run this triple option. It's so different to NFL football. But Do you want to just explain what the triple option is? So it, it's, yeah, it's it's essentially what we see in... We've obviously seen the option in NFL, which is kind of the ride and decide, hand off to a running back or the quarterback takes it himself. With the triple option, we then have another running back on the right side and you get three options. So you can hand it to the inside running back, keep it yourself, and then you'll often see that the quarterback and a second running back run outside to the to the wider area of the field together and they'll either then pitch it back or keep the ball themselves so it's it, it's put huge demands on a defence I mean it was tough enough for me there to unexpectedly explain it never mind playing against it so it's great to watch though it's very interesting and I think why it works more in college football as well it, one of the big things with college football is the way that the hash marks are makes the field wider because you can start very much on the left side of the field so if you run into the other side there's a lot of space out there but so yeah I mean but what it is it's very difficult to play against because you you're essentially game planning for something you'll you'll maybe see once every two seasons and that is always going to put strain on an opposing team from a side who do it well so yeah I think Georgia Tech always have a chance to cause upsets for that reason because generally they run the ball outstandingly well which limits the time that the opposing team can have the ball and they'll keep the score close you are listening to the ESPN player Gridiron College Football Show. I'm Simon Clancy along with Matt Sherry. Don't forget that you can 
Don't forget you can sign up for a monthly or annual pass to get ESPN players extensive coverage of college football this season, which includes more than 700 games live and on demand. Three simulcast channels direct from the US, including ESPNU, the SEC Network and the Longhorn Network, and access as well to a range of great documentaries from the ESPN Films catalogue, which includes the 30 for 30s, one of which we just talked about with the U, Roll Tide, War Eagle, Elway to Marino, Catholics to Convicts. And if that wasn't enough, when you sign up, you get a seven-day free trial. Right, Matt, let's move on to your conference, I suppose, the, the conference where you're, the team that you follow sits, and that's the Big Ten. Ohio State, we've talked about, obviously, with Urban Meyer, but, you know, this is... You've got... If we talked about tears in in the ACC, there will be some tears, real tears, um in the Big Ten because you've got five teams in, in Tier 1 I suppose Ohio State Wisconsin Michigan Penn State and Michigan State all with legitimate chances of pushing into that top six and, and who knows you know the thing is they could all end up knocking each other out couldn't they because you know Ohio State could beat Penn State Wisconsin then could be do you know what I mean there, there are ways and means that they could all un, you know, hinder everybody else's progress to to getting to a national championship game. You, you know, look at the fifth team I mentioned there, Michigan State under Mark D'Antonio, with the, probably with the best pro star. You know, in Brian Lewerk, probably the best pro yeah, yeah. prospect quarterback. But you know, you got Shea Patterson in at in at Michigan. You got the powerful run game in Wisconsin. You've got you know Penn State and all they did last year with Trace McSorley. You know, Saquon Barkley is gone, but McSorley returns. There's an awful lot to like about those um, about those top top uh, five sides in the Big Ten isn't there yeah I mean I don't think there's any doubt that the SEC probably certainly entering the season I mean on paper I, I do think these these teams match up against them but you would say on paper the SEC has the, the two best teams most talented teams um, but it's very top heavy now the SEC because traditional powers like LSU are on the down and, and even Florida who we mentioned are a team that we think could do well but ultimately they're not in this conversation it's the absolute opposite in the Big Ten. I mean, the five teams you mentioned there, I would not be surprised if any of the five were in the playoff this year. I also wouldn't be surprised if what happened last year and what you've just alluded to happens again, which is they take so many knocks out of each other that none of them make it. And that's the problem this conference has now. It's so loaded and so deep that these guys are all knocking each other out. I mean, Michigan, so I, I follow Michigan. They have the toughest college football schedule I've ever seen this year. And, I mean, it's tough because they play in at Notre Dame on the opening week, but then their in-division in schedule is insane. I mean, they've got to play Ohio State on the road. They've got to play Michigan State on the road. They've got to play Wisconsin and Penn State at home. So, yeah, it's just an absolutely loaded conference. And it's a struggle to even pick a winner in this conference, never mind... A, a potential one who could go on for the national championship mix because it's just so deep. Talk to me about Wisconsin, the, the Badgers, who are you know a, a phenomenal team, ranked sixth at the moment in the in the preseason rankings. Um, last year couldn't have been the year for them, could it? Because they were really, really, really close to to something very special. I suppose the you know it was a manageable schedule last year. Defense was dominant. They, they didn't suffer a lot of injuries, and Jonathan Taylor kind of rose up from the ashes and turned in one of the, I suppose one of the greatest of seasons that we've ever seen by a running back, a, a place known for knocking out great seasons by running backs. I mean, this is a, that was a hell of a performance that he had last year. And, you know, had they, had they you know, had they won on that final drive against, you know, because they, they dominated, 
they dominated that fourth quarter, didn't they, against Ohio State? Ended up losing 27-21. If they won that game, they're in. They're into the national, you know, they're yeah. into the they're into the playoff and, and Alabama isn't. And given their style of play, they they were possibly good enough to have beaten Clemson and maybe given Georgia a, a, a good go. So, you know, what do you think for them this year? Because they are loaded all over the field, aren't they? I think they have to start as the favourite. And they're, 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 a, they're a team built in their own team's image, if that makes sense. So their image is, Wisconsin is, always have a great offensive line. They have a great offensive line. They churn out amazing running backs. Jonathan Taylor might actually end up being the best one they've ever produced. I mean, he's an in, insane. We've mentioned a couple of guys who we think could be the best running back in college football. This guy with probably Bryce Love at Stanford is top of that list at the moment. So... I think Wisconsin of all these teams enter as the favourites, um, largely because I, I also think they're on the, the comfortable side of the division as well. In that, they've obviously got. I, th- I think that Wisconsin will play in the in the championship game in this division. So, I think they're the favourites. I think they're a very difficult beat, but I mean, there's a lot of other good teams in this as well. I mean, and also, also they're at Michigan, at Penn State on the road. You know two of their biggest games of the season that is not going to be easy for them is it it's not but it also then enhances their credentials if they win it I mean if they win one of those games that'll be enough to, to almost certainly see them into the um, into the championship game and then if they win that they're in the playoffs so yeah I think the start is the favourite but I, I, I think I said at the start nothing would surprise me in this division not one of these five teams winning it would surprise me in the least I mean we go on to Michigan who obviously I follow closely they've been a quarterback away that basically the whole time that Jim Harbaugh's been there they've got a quarterback now Shea Patterson a guy who was a five star recruit played really well before injury at all Miss last year ended up transferring because of the off field issues and is now eligible to play immediately and that, that is such a huge boost and I'm so excited as a as a football fan to see Jim Harbaugh with a viable quarterback at Michigan because their defence has been amazing all the way through his tenure there Don Brown is probably the best assistant coach in college football the def- defensive coordinator they've got an all-star cast now of coaches I mean Jim McElwain who was Florida's head, co- head coach last year is coaching wide receivers they've got a new O-line coach who whose name has escaped me but is a former college football head coach as well and he's doing wonders with the O-line by the sounds of it so I think Michigan have a chance to be insanely good as well But Ed Warner is it? yeah Ed Warner yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean their I mean, offensive line and quarterback situation has held Patterson, sorry I was going to say on the, on the flip side Patterson there are still question marks about Shea Patterson you know injuries he, he does have a tendency to throw interceptions and, and certainly third downs you look at his numbers on third downs at, 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 at Ole Miss he is not a proficient third down quarterback. That has to be a concern, regardless for for Jim Harbaugh. You know they can run the ball obviously very well with with um, with Higdon and Tariq yeah. Black is back at receiver and Donovan Peoples Jones who was fantastic. But you know th- there is an awful lot of pressure on one player and one player who hasn't consistently performed at the highest level that you'd like him to. I think the exciting part though for Michigan is. How good a season does Shea Patterson need to have? Because they were on the brink two years ago with Wilton Spate, a quarterback who no one's going to mistake for a, a, a top draw passer, even though he probably will play a bit for UCLA this year. They had John O'Conn for a while last year. Jake Rudock is the best quarterback they had. And to be honest, I think they could have won a national title with him had he come later in Harbaugh's tenure, but he came in that first year where 
they had a great season but other parts of the programme weren't quite there yet so I, I agree I don't think Shea Patterson is the guaranteed finished article but I'm not sure how good they need him to be to be right in the mix because their defence is, is insane I mean year in year out great coordinator great coaching and I think Michigan have a real chance Do you think Penn State will be on the outside looking in you know lost obviously Saquon Barkley as we mentioned but also you know, two huge pieces in Mike Jasicki and Deshaun Hamilton you know defensively it looks like they've got a superstar there in Micah Parsons um, the freshman who has just you know has had a to all intents and purposes a phenomenal spring and summer and looks to be yet another in that long line of great uh, Penn State linebackers Shane Conlon and LeVar Arrington and those kind of guys but do you think that they will just end up being on the outside looking in because of the lack of sort of senior talent obviously McSorley returns but it just feels like they're just missing a beat in key positions that you know and especially when you look around at those other you know the Wisconsin's the Nebraska's the, the Michigan States they might not just have enough to get across the line yeah I think so I mean that's that's where I'm leaning McSorley's an interesting one to me I've heard a lot of people compare him to Baker Mayfield and I do not see him as no, that I don't at all either. I mean I, I just don't get that I think he's I think how much he can elevate himself is the key question and I'm not convinced he will elevate himself as much as other people the only thing that gives me cause for pause with Penn State is the track record that James Franklin is putting together now I think puts him squarely in the mix of top 10 college head coach maybe even top 5 and he's we're starting to see some of the fruits of his recruiting classes he certainly turned Penn State around quicker than I expected him to even after what he did at Vanderbilt so the kind of year-to-year consistency of his programs at Vanderbilt and Penn State makes me think that they've got a chance still. But if I had to guess right now, I would say they'll, of all these five teams, they would be number five, but potentially more like number two or three the year after this season. Let's um let's skip to the Big Twelve. Uh, Oklahoma, who almost made the national championship last year with Baker Mayfield, obviously a quarterback who we just talked about. Kyler Murray, fascinating. Yeah, takes over from Baker Mayfield with, uh, you know, under the uh, under Lincoln Riley's uh, tutelage. Um, Lincoln Riley, the sort of the, the genius in waiting, the kind of the Sean McVay, I suppose, of the, uh, of the yep. college football world. What do you think about Kyle America? Because he's going to have Rodney Anderson, you know, a first round NFL, likely first round pick running back um, to hand the ball off to. You know, Murray isn't Mayfield, but he should be good enough, shouldn't he? And, you know, because there's a reason that Mayfield was the, was the number one overall pick. This is a... Um, this is a complete team, this Oklahoma team, it looks like. And it, they, they don't need to fix a great deal, do they, from, from, from what happened last season? They are, they are a team that should make the, the college football playoff, all things being equal, regardless of, regardless of uh, the performance of the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I think Murray is about the most fascinating guy we're going to see this season. I mean, this is a kid who essentially is going to play one year of college football because he's just been drafted in, I think, the first, yeah, round, first round of MLB of by yeah. the Auckland A's. So he's he's going to be a, a major league baseball player, but he fancies just giving this a crack for yeah, college football. He's different to Mayfield. He's a lot, he's lot smaller than Mayfield, and Mayfield wasn't tall. But I think what he'll give you is just totally electrifying player I think he'll make a lot more players with his legs than Baker Mayfield did and listen this guy can throw the football and and frankly probably could be an NFL player if he was five inches taller but I think he's going to be great to watch I think he's very much in the Heisman list I wouldn't be surprised at all in that offence if this guy wins the Heisman trophy and that would be an amazing story if he played one year as a starter won the Heisman and then went on to the MLB I think that would be incredible but yeah I mean I think Oklahoma are 
are comfortably the class of this division this year. I think they'll be right in the mix around the college football playoff again. And I think Kyler Murray's going to be amazing to watch. Do you think Lincoln Riley will ease Murray in and therefore that will enhance the Heisman chances of Rodney Anderson at running back? Because you could conceivably see Anderson having a 1,500, 1,800-yard season this year, couldn't you? Especially because, you know, as good as Murray potentially is, they are not going to put the ball up down the field the way that they did with Baker Mayfield. So I'm Anderson not, is going I to just, be the, Anderson will be the becomes, beneficiary. I think it becomes slightly difficult. I just think Anderson, uh, I think Murray will, will carry the ball a lot more than Mayfield. I, yeah. To be honest... I mean, I could see him putting up a thousand less passing yards, but maybe eight hundred more rushing yards. You know, so it ends up giving you the, the same net gain. Um, I think both of those guys are in the Heisman mix, though. I think both both the running back and the quarterback could win the Heisman for this team. I mean, what do you think in terms of the overall wider division? Because I think TCU were always a really good team. Gary Patterson's a great coach. I like West the, Virginia. How do you? I like how West do you Virginia. Think, yeah. I think Dana Holgerson's got a, so, you know, a really good team there and th- this kind of high-octane offence that they have is kind of built for the Big 12 and you know, Big 12 deficient defence is, is kind of the norm I don't think that's a, you know you only have to look back to, to Oklahoma State Oklahoma last year which finished about 98-97 yeah. you know it was uh, you know, just march up and the last team with the ball essentially wins I don't think that you know defences and deficiencies on defence uh, sort of glossed over just because of that that, that offence is as long as that West Virginia offence is doing its thing I think um, I think they're, they'll be okay you know look, then I don't think talent wise they're in the same bracket as Oklahoma TCU's got a decent defence Oklahoma State I think has lost some fairly key parts and Texas I worry about you know they're, they're still not it's still not Mac Brown's Texas you know Tom Herman's doing a decent job but you know I think it's going to take a I think it's going to take change and if Oklahoma do slip up I think West Virginia could be the the team they've got and, one and of you, the best one of the best quarterbacks in, in college Greer. yeah one of the best quarterbacks in college football in Will Greer who's going to you know he'll be in the discussion both for the NFL and potentially for the Heisman depending on how well they do um, you know and potentially the the best triumvirate of receivers certainly in the conference, but potentially in the country in, in Seals, Gary Jennings and um, and Marcus Sims, the other guy. So, you know, there's experience all over the field. They've got a tough schedule, you know, Tennessee, NC State, uh, Iowa State, Mich- uh, Texas Tech, Texas, Oklahoma State, you know, but if a team is big t- 12 title good, and I think they are, then it shouldn't, that, that schedule shouldn't matter. I think that the window of opportunity is open for them to push and jump through it really and to get potentially into the Big 12 championship game I don't think that's you know I don't think that's out of the realms of possibility and I, I think that that's what they've been doing since Dana Holgerson took over I think that they are primed to make a run in this conference yeah and I agree with that I've seen a lot of people say that they don't believe the West Virginia hype because a lot of people are basing it around the fact that I think they're returning 10 starters on defence but they're saying well, the defense isn't very good, and I mean, my answer to that would be none of the defenses are that good in, in this in this conference. Well, let's move on to the final one of the Power Five conferences. We'll get to the Heisman Trophy in a second uh, and finish up here with kind of episode one point one, the Pac twelve. Matt, what, what 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 are we looking for this this year? Because you know, changes abound. You've got Washington that look like, look like the class of the conference. Um, you know, the Pac twelve missed out on the college playoff again last year. Um, and then they went a kind of brutal one and eight in in, in bowl games. Um, Utah essentially were the only saving grace, mainly because Will Greer wasn't playing. Yeah. Um, what do you you know? Where do you see this this team 
this team going. You know, Stanford, they lost that heartbreaker to TCU. Arizona lost to Purdue. There's no Josh Rosen at UCLA. Arizona State were trounced by, oh, I think it was NC State in the in the bowl. It was you know it was a really bad year, and this is a significantly worse. This is the fifth and the worst of the Power Five conferences, isn't it? But in comes Chip Kelly. In comes Kevin Sumlin. In comes Herm Edwards. In comes this kind of red hot or two really red hot kind of young prospects in Jonathan Smith and Mario Cristobal and then you have you know players like Khalil Tate and Justin uh, Justin Herbert and Bryce Love and Miles Gaskin and that USC front seven that all of a sudden it feels like the Pac-10 is now just beginning to pick up a little bit yeah maybe I mean I think that the whole Pac-12 will be watching Washington Northern in week one and they should all be supporting Washington as much as that might yeah. impact their own chances later on in the season of winning the actual division. I mean, Washington to me are the only team who can who can break into the the college football playoff of this group. They've got one of the best coaches again in in Chris Peterson, and and they've been in and around the mix for a while. I mean, they were in the playoffs a couple of years ago, and they certainly won. But I think they're the only one of this group who can break into that top four this year. But if they lose to Auburn in week one, I think that's a loss that. You know, if if that's the other way around, Auburn can afford to lose this game and probably still make it in because they can beat a very strong SEC. I don't. I, I think that Washington need that statement win against Auburn to have a chance of getting in, and I think they're the only team with a chance of getting in. But that doesn't mean there isn't some exciting things to watch in this conference. Chip Kelly's return to college football is one of the most exciting storylines ahead of the season. It'll take him a couple of years. I don't think they'll, they'll be challenging this year by any stretch, but exciting to see Chip back in it given how people can now forget how amazing I mean he was a top three college football coach at the point he he went to the Eagles and probably the hottest coach in in all of football so I think that's exciting I think USC is standing still a little bit and have been basically since the Pete Carroll era ended it it feels like that historic program is is just never on the right path it feels like they maybe need it a superstar head coach in hire. I'm not sure I fully believe in, in Clay Helton. Stanford are, are always good. I mean, against limitations of, of essentially only being able to pick from a pool of guys who are good enough to get in the university, which is about 0.1% of America. Um, David Shaw does an amazing job. He's a great coach. Probably the coach, I think, who would have the hottest NFL market of any college coach if he jumped outside of Nick Saban. So... Mm. They're always interesting to watch, and that's very much like watching Sunday's football with Stanford. It's a pro-style offense. It's everything is pro-style, which is probably why they're producing more and more good NFL players. But they would be the they would be the pick of it for me. I mean, Washington State have been interesting under Mike Leach the last couple of years. Will be again because of the air raid offense, but they're losing a lot Luke of Falk, talent. Obviously, they lose the quarterback, yeah, yeah, and losing the quarterback who kind of has ran that whole system for them for two or three years. So I think they take a step back. Oregon to me are the team who are probably the they're the bet to be the second if it's not Washington they're the, they're the next team who I think could maybe get into the top 10 because I think Justin Herbert to me right now is the best college quarterback prospect there is he fits all the moulds in terms of size Mario Cristobal who you mentioned is a, is a head coach a lot of people are very excited about so I think Oregon are going to be very interesting to watch again um, I think I if think, it's not Washington I think something drastic will have gone wrong I mean that that, that season opener against if they 
For me, you've got a, Washington are a fascinating team and have had lots and lots of talent. But go and beat somebody now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Go and beat somebody. It feels like time, doesn't it? Both it for does. Jake Browning. Uh, Jake Browning's been there the starter for four or five years now. I mean, he's been there a while. And, and it feels like Washington have had a great run now for five years under a great head coach. But they haven't got that, exactly what you're saying, that real signature win to show for it. And I think that needs to happen this year. You know, they got, you know, the, the defeat to Penn State in the bowl game where Saquon kind of ran all over them was an ugly look for them. But, you know, they, they, they beat Auburn. That sets the tone for the rest of the season. You know, there's, there's a couple of landmines along the way. No USC, obviously, to play, but. Utah State, I think, uh, I think, sorry, I think they play Utah in Salt Lake City. I think this year, which will be, a, you know, that'll be a tough game. And then they go on the road at, U, you know, UCLA and Cal. Um, but they have a potential to go. They have a potential to to go unbeaten, frankly, if they can get past Auburn. If they lose against Auburn, then you know they'll probably finish with with. I mean, who knows? There could be an upset along the way, and they finish with nine. But this is a team that could. Has the possibility and the you know the defense and they've got a they've got a college football hardy veteran quarterback in Browning. This is a team that should, all things being equal, be one of the teams in the college football playoff. And if yeah, it's not, and, at what point do you, at what point do you start asking questions about Chris Peterson? Yeah, you do. Can he win the big one? I think if they don't this year, you're asked that question because it's the opposite of what we were saying with the Big Ten. The Big Ten are these loaded teams who strength of schedule might actually hurt them like everybody wants a strength of schedule that's good enough to get you in the playoff but one that isn't so good that it gets you out of the playoff and and Washington I mean if they beat Auburn and don't get there I'd be stunned I really would because it, it, it sets up beautifully for them but by the same account there's not going to be a one loss Washington team in the college football playoff regardless of whether they end up winning their division because the strength of schedule just isn't there and if they, if they do get there that is a lot of executives who want a Pac-12 representative in, in it because there's no way they should get there. So it's amazing to say, we said in the first podcast, what's so good about college football is in any week it can kill you. Washington are going to be walking that tightrope the whole season, but they're talented enough to do it, I think. Give me your four teams to make the college football playoff. Um, I will go for Alabama... Georgia, I don't think they can put two from the SEC in. Alabama, Georgia, Washington, and with me heart, Michigan. Okay, I think I'm going to go Georgia, Wisconsin. I'm going to go Georgia, Wisconsin, Clemson, and Washington. Although I don't think Washington will make it, but I, I think Georgia will win the. I think I think the national championship game will be Georgia, Clemson. I think it will, uh, Georgia will win it. Let's talk now about the Heisman Trophy. Then the, the award that's given to the best player in college football each year is not the most NFL ready. It's the best college football player. Last year, obviously, it was won by Baker Mayfield. The, the, there doesn't seem to be any kind of outstanding candidates, and this is one of the years where you could get somebody who comes from off the radar. You know, you talk about Bryce Love, the running back, the senior running back at Stanford. We've talked about Will Greer at, at West Virginia. I mean, you look at guys like Cali Tate at Arizona and Mackenzie Milton even at Central Florida, guys who are, you know, dual-threat quarterbacks who could really put up some fascinating numbers. Um, we've talked about Jake Browning. It's obviously quarterbacks Justin Herbert. Uh, Jonathan Taylor we touched upon as well at Wisconsin. McSorley at Penn State. And then I suppose the, the, the two kind of, the, the two variables, I suppose, in, in 
Tua Tungavailoa and, and Trevor Lawrence if Lawrence gets the start. Kelly Bryant could also be in the mix. Yeah. I, I want to talk to you a little bit about a, a defensive player in Ed Oliver, the the superstar defensive tackle, the kind of the Aaron Donald of of the college football world, who will be a top two, top three pick at very worst, and potentially the number one overall pick next year in the NFL draft. The, the kid at Houston, you know. It's going to take probably 20 sacks for him to win the Heisman Trophy playing defensive tackle. But, you know, he is potentially and probably pound for pound the best player in, in college football, isn't he? I mean, could he win the Heisman Trophy? No, I don't think he could. I, I, I mean, he's going to put up the numbers. I just think playing for Houston ultimately goes against him. I think if, you, if you're one of these talented day linemen like Nick Bosa or Rashan Gary at uh, uh, at one of the big schools I think you've got a chance but I just think it's so tough you're just going to you know for a fact you're going to get to the point that no matter what the numbers are strength of competition is going to be brought up repeatedly I'm not sure he can I mean I always think that I think it was Charles Woodson wasn't it the last guy to win it was the only guy yeah the only defensive guy to win it is I think it needs to be that kind of player who can make you know yeah. a guy who can maybe return some kicks as well and and, and gets a lot of interceptions and, and it, it needs to be splash players I always think for a defensive player to do it the, a guy I'm trying to think I would say any of the defensive ends who could maybe put up 10-15 sacks have a chance maybe maybe somebody like Devin Bush a linebacker at Michigan who's a very very instinctive guy who makes a lot of plays is often around the ball but I, I, I'm not I sure I can't see a way a linebacker is going to that's, see a that's the problem the it's, it's similar to what I'm saying there which is where are the where are the highlight everybody talks about a Heisman moment where are those players coming from yeah. for a linebacker me, I think it's tough let me give you the betting uh, and then we'll let, let's let's go, let's put our heads on the block and pick a player before we get out of here. The, the current betting has Bryce Love, the Stanford running back, as favourite. Uh, Tua Tungavailoa of Alabama, second favourite. Jonathan Taylor, the running back from Wisconsin. Dwayne Haskins, the Ohio State quarterback, who we haven't talked about, as the fourth favourite. Uh, Will Greer at West Virginia. Kelly Tate, obviously the dual threat Arizona quarterback. Jake Fromm at Georgia. Obviously, if Georgia go to the national championship, Fromm stands a really good chance. Trace McSorley uh, of Penn State, who can do some pretty spectacular things, especially with his feet J.K. Dobbins the running back at Ohio State you know you, you wonder whether Haskins and Dobbins might cancel one another out then there's Trevor Lawrence um, you know just fascinating Lawrence who potentially could win two Heisman trophies Shea Patterson Kyler Murray Jarrett Stidham and then Cam Akers at Florida State the, give me a name there give me one name give me a, a kind of a, a guy that you think could win it and then give me an off the radar guy that you know might just come in and, and shock, shock the world as it were I mean, I think I think the off the radar guys, not so far off the radar, are both uh, Kyler Murray and and Trevor Lawrence. I mean, because I, I think with Lawrence, it, it's so difficult for for me, and probably for you, you were in the same conversations that I was. But I've got so much belief in him, having stood five yards away from him and watched a pass that I can still hear the sound of uh, reverberating <laughs> through my ears, and just the way people spoke about him. And we're talking about guys from. From many, I mean, we met a random guy on the golf course who knew he was in, and he was from Florida. Can you remember that? I mean, mm, I those guys had heard of this kid. I mean, that's how Greg and Greg Junior. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> two great people and two um, great guys. Yeah, so I think he's a. I think he starts early, and and I think because it's a little bit more open this year, as you've mentioned, I think a true freshman could could easily step in and win it. And the fact that he's a true freshman, if he plays amazing, it'll be another reason voters want to want to give him it. 
I'm going to go with Lawrence as well because I think if he wins the starters job I think he's got the ability to win it which sounds preposterous given that he's a true freshman but again like you said we've seen him play we saw the, the talent level that he's got with those receivers with Travis Etienne at running back and you know Etienne himself could be somebody that could really could really kind of push up there I think Jonathan Taylor stands a really yeah, good chance uh, at Wisconsin Jonathan Taylor is the guy of the big favourites who, yeah. who I would bet on if I was going to bet on any of them if I was going to pick a completely random outsider I like DeAndre Swift at Georgia but I'm going to go with AJ Dillon the Boston College running back who yeah. I think has a chance to put up some, some massive numbers if they can we, get that offence rolling and we never mentioned Boston College but of all the teams in the ACC if you ask me for a team who are under the radar who I think could make a leap I think they're the team I think there's some talent on that Boston College team this year Right well there you go you've had predictions for a national champion you've had predictions for the college football playoff and we've predicted who we think will win the Heisman Trophy I'm sure none of those things will come true and we should look very foolish come sort of the the early weeks of, of January but that's what we do we put our necks on the line and uh, we'll see where we end up thank you very much indeed for listening to episode sort of 1.1 of the ESPN Player Gridiron College Football Show we shall be back next week I've been Simon Clancy he's been Matthew Sherry thanks for listening